Hi, welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, welcome to the Winners Find a Way Show. I am your host, Trent Clark, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, international speaker, and longtime coach in professional baseball coaching in three World Series. And I have got an awesome show for you today on the Winners Find a Way Show with Mike Malatesta. Mike, how are you doing, buddy? I am doing great, Trent. Thanks for having me on your great show, man. That's man, cool. I'm excited. And- you know, you came referred to me from a couple of good friends, so it's so awesome. Like, you know, meeting new people and longtime YPOer, and so yeah. Uh, for people who don't know that, that's the Young Presidents Organization. It is a group of one percenters in this world, and if you don't know some YPOers, I recommend you get to know some, and we're going to meet one today. So it's going to be awesome. Let's talk a little bit about first about hey, where do they find you? Well, uh, best place to find me, Trent, is at my website, which is my name, Mike Malatesta, M-A-L-A-T-E-S-T-A.com. And if you go there, you can find out all about me. You can find out about my book, my podcast, my blog, you know, everything there is. So you can find me there. I'm also active on LinkedIn. Just you look up my name, Mike Malatesta there and feel free to connect with me there. Shoot me a message, whatever. That's awesome. For everyone joining the show first time, welcome. So fun to have you here with the Winners Find A Way show. The show is all about overcoming. We talk a lot about uh, the challenges that one percenters face along the way. Contrary to popular belief, it is not a smooth paved road all the time, right? And so if you've ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting and you need to find a better way, whether you are an entrepreneur, athlete, founder, directing a company, um, or just looking to start your journey to being elite. Like, I think you have come to the right place. This is where it all starts. And we have a perfect podcast for you with one percenters who tell their tales and they are winners that find a way to win. And we're going to talk about that and no different here with my man, Mike. Let's talk about your background, Mike. You know, I want you to tell the story a little bit about how it all started, but I'm going to give you a couple of highlights real quick. You know, longtime entrepreneur, started advanced waste services way back in the early 90s, bought and then sold that off. And then you had ERS, ERC Midwest LLC. You've got Rock Island Capital. You just yeah. wrote a book called Ownership. Mm-hmm. You can see back up there next to your trophy up there with uh, you know uh, your book on the shelf. Yep. And uh, every, if you have not heard that, listen, this is a great, give us that subtitle on ownership. I love this subtitle. Yeah, it's uh, How Getting Selfish Got Me Unstuck. Ooh, and you know, that's so contrary to everybody. Everybody's like, you know, servant leader. Like, hey, serve everybody. Like, hey, man, I got to take care of me. Like, so I can't wait to dive into this. It's going to be so great. And then, of course, you have your podcast, How Did It Happen, right? Yep. Yeah, How Did It Happen podcast. It's, uh, you know, on that podcast, I basically dig deep into stories of success. And my, my hope is that by doing so, I expose sort of 
not the secrets, but the clues, you know, the clues to how these people got where they are. Because a lot of times you look at someone where they are and you think, oh, they must have always been there. Not true. They were like you at some point and something happened to them or someone happened to them or they made something happen. And I try to get to that so that uh, I can inspire, activate and maximize the greatness in everyone that's listening. Love it, man. Are you a part of the Brevik Network? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. You're going to be. You you and Justin Brain speaking language. So let's how about one thing that most people in this world don't know about you, Mike? Well, we were talking about this a little bit before we went live, but we were talking about uh, how boxing is, the footwork in boxing is kind of like dance footwork as opposed to like traditional football footwork, for example. Yeah. Like I went into boxing with football footwork and my coach is like, what are you doing? You know, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, you push off of the foot. And, uh, but anyway, as we were talking about that, it reminded me that I, my wife would love for me to be a dancer. She would love, and we we actually went to dance class for over a year, Trent. Nice. Um, and we learned the foxtrot and the tango and all this stuff. And I could never figure out how to put those dance steps to real music that you hear at a wedding or something. Sure. And so I kind of just gave up on it. Mm-hmm. And but nobody, no, I don't think anyone knows besides my wife and maybe a couple of people that I actually went and spent a year trying to, to, uh, improve myself as a dancer. And, and I would still like to do it. And she's good. I hope she's not listening. Cause she's going to make me do it. If, I'll forward her the show. It's fine. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I, it's probably what needs to be done, but it's so, you know, it's one of those things like when you see people that can dance well, you're always thinking, wow, you may not say it out loud, but you're thinking, wow, I wish I could do that. Yeah. And the, the reality is you can. And yeah. So that's one thing that not, not many people know about me that I, did that and then I stopped and yeah. I should get back. You took up boxing at what age? 53. Nice. Thinking about like getting Tyson out of like retirement for a comeback. You want a little shot at the title? Yeah, I'm kind of aiming a little higher than that. Oh, um, nice. <laughs> higher than that. Oh, yeah. Good. You don't yeah. even like your teeth. I mean, you're a good looking dude, Mike. You know, I don't yeah. know what you're going you know, for, but like, I am. The reality is, I'm into this for a new skill set and to challenge myself every day. And I will tell you that. Boxing will challenge you every training, every workout. It's a challenge, uh, but a good one. And I, I was telling you earlier too, Trent, that the mind, is, I don't just get out of there and my muscles are tired. My brain is tired because there's yeah. so many things you got to think about to avoid yeah. to avoid getting hit. It is a spectrum of, like like most good sports, right? Physical, emotional, and mental training all the time, right? Yeah. And it's, and you know, what I think a lot of people do is like, they kind of omit one <laughs> and often two, but like they really omit one often. And they're uh-huh. like, you know, I am physically fit and I'm mentally strong. And then emotionally they lose it all the time in the middle of stuff. And you're like, Hey, how about a little poise here? <laughs> like any poise yeah, yeah. would be good. Right. And, or the opposite, like, Hey, great poise, great mental. But those two came up and the physical still way down. And you're like, well, I've got all the attributes. I just physically can't compete with anyone. I'm getting my butt kicked. <laughs> right? Right. You're like, hey, man, it's got to come up. And I've seen other people that, man, they just really have that maturity, that physical side of it. But the mentality they don't have, they just don't think the game, it, it's coming too quick. And it takes a long time. And, and you know, some people are so quick to adapting and 
uh, adaptability, probably one of the greatest skills right now that we're all in search of. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and we can talk a little bit about that because that's always a good one. It is something I see a lot. And I often see at least one of those missing in even good athletes, but great athletes do not have those missing. It's kind of funny when you were kind of going like this, it reminded me of, uh, like by me for me and at this point in my life boxing is sort of like learning a new language where i still have to translate yeah in my mind before i can act before i can say the words so you know <laughs> too late that, right yeah that's too late right so yeah. i'm still still in that phase where i have to where where it's not fluent i'm not fluent yet but i'm working mm. towards it well one of the things we talk about is confidence comes from prep and reps right so preparation and repetition and yeah. when you start at 53, you don't have the repetitions, right? right? You can get prepared. You can physically, hey, this is what I'm going to do emotionally. You've got a lot of preparation on that because you've had cross training in that your whole life from your businesses, your marriage, you know, all these things that you've done physically, probably playing from behind at 53. We're not at our best, right? <laughs> you know, we're not 27. You know, I still think I'm 27. So I'm writing yeah. checks. My body can't cash, right? And so then there's that, hey, how do we get the reps? And that reps and those reps matter because that what gets you to that elusiveness that certainly the anticipation of what's about to happen and being able to anticipate and move ahead. And we've seen this in business, right, Mike? Talk to me a little bit about the difference of when you've seen people in reactive mode versus proactive mode and how good they are in either one. Well, I mean, my experience has been, I lived half of my entrepreneurial career in reactive mode. Yeah. I didn't notice that it was reactive. It didn't feel like it was reactive. It felt like what was necessary. Mm -hmm. um, it felt like what should, what I should be doing. You know, it took a, it took some really deep falls. I call it a valley of uncertainty. It took some really, you know, for me, a really deep fall into a, a, into a really deep valley to finally figure out that what all the stuff I was valuing about my actions were really just masking me and preventing me from doing the job I'm supposed to be doing as the leader or the entrepreneur. I think a lot of us, whatever you get into and it becomes something not that you, you know, intentionally wished for, but it becomes something that you can't, you, it just feels like it's, it is mm. it's just a part of what it is. And if you don't like it, which happens a lot of times, you end up not liking it and it can, it can really crush your Mm. ambition going forward and your confidence and your energy and all of those things and your adaptability, like you mentioned, all of those things. Mm. And we're conditioning ourselves, right? Good or bad, right? We're conditioning ourselves to stay in this mode if we choose it, right? And because we continue to get prep and reps in that mode. And yeah. so if like, hey, if I'm going to have to change something, I may have to reprogram something. I may have to do something different in a different way or else, you know, we're back to, uh, Hey, I'm going to keep doing it the exact same way. I'd really like a different result, but I don't want to change anything. <laughs> so, yeah. so I was like, uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. Right. Yeah. I think about it like this. Sometimes you're driving along and you come up on a, you know, you start to like skid, right. Or you come up on some mud and you just sort of, you know, juice the gas a little bit more and you get through. Right. Yeah. And so you learn that that's how I get through. When something gets, you know, when I get into some obstacle, I just push a little harder to get through. Yeah. And you keep doing that and you keep doing that and it works for you. So you're building confidence like, hey, this is the way you do it. And then, you know, one day you you do that. And instead of the car moving forward, you know, next thing you know, you're buried up to the wheel wells in, in mud, right? You're just mm. completely stuck. Yeah. And really moving along as an entrepreneur or any type of leader, I think is is about making shifts along the way. You have to be making 
you know, shifts in order for you to make progress. And if you've mm. stopped shifting, the likelihood that you're going to make progress is, I think, small. And the likelihood that you're going to become frustrated is, is tall. I love that. And we're going to tell you, I mean, I take it, this is a little bit of premise of the ownership book, right? I mean, I love this. And, and I just went snowmobiling with a group of entrepreneurs, right? We are on a form retreat and it's counterintuitive, right? Your snowmobile sliding out and hey, to get through the turn, you got to gun it. Right. Like, that's not what you want to do. You're like, break, don't let me hit the tree. Like, no, no, no. You got to actually get through the turn, right? And it's like, gee, you got to lean into that. And that's very counterintuitive, right? Because that's not what we want to do. And of course, then you're thinking like, man, I've mastered these turns. And that's when you end up in the bottom of a ditch, <laughs> right? Like you think you just got <laughs> yeah. it down now. Like, hey, look at right, me, right, man. Right. I'm like, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, the best in the world. Like, you know, it's day one, relax. So that's okay. So let's let's talk a little bit about, Young Mike, I mean, did you, yeah. you, you know, like, hey, man, there was a moment in time. Do you have an event as a kid that said like, hey, I'm going to build this multi-million dollar brand in the waste services uh, genre and build that up. And I'm, I'm going I'm to be worth millions and I'm going to sell it for, you know, all this money. You know, like, did you know, do you have entrepreneur people around you? Was there something significant that happened that moved you to this path? So you asked a lot of questions there. I'm going to say no to the entrepreneurial path, no to riches, no to any of that, but yes to what I call the entrepreneurial seed. When I was four years old, we lived across the street from a construction company. Okay. And in the afternoons, in the summers, I would sit on the curb out, out in front of our house and I would watch the guys bring their trucks and their equipment and stuff back to the yard. And I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world. I thought that, you know, I love the smoke and I love the noise. I love what the trucks look like. Yeah. I love the exhaust. And I love the guys that did the work. You know, to me, they were special, right? I'm just a four-year-old kid. These guys are doing something special. Look at them maneuvering this equipment around. I mean, that's pretty cool. And I thought to myself that, you know, if I could do that, that would be a great life. And then all that just went away and stayed in my mind, Trent, because, you know, you go to school and then go to high school and, you know, it just, I just wasn't thinking about it anymore. I retained a love of trucks, but I didn't retain any sort of aspirations of doing something with them. I just thought they were cool all the time. Mm. So when I got into college, I uh, got a job driving a, uh, truck for a fencing dis distribution company. My friend got me the job and I, you know, I was on my own and I was going, you know, I was in Pennsylvania. So I was like Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York. I mean, I was like 18, 19 years old and I thought, well, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, but again, not from a business standpoint, just from a driving standpoint. And then between my junior and senior year, I didn't want to drive that fence truck anymore. So I wanted, I just decided that I wanted to drive a garbage truck. And I started to apply for a summer job. I started to apply at all the local garbage companies. And one of them uh, hired me. And I just liked the trucks. I thought they were cool. So yeah. I started doing the work. I thought, well, this is really neat. This is a neat business. And uh, I asked the owner, you know, for some career advice. The owner said, hey, you should, you know, there are a lot of big companies now doing this type of stuff. I don't really need a college degree kid here. I just need drivers, you know? So uh, why don't you try to get a job with one of those companies? And I took his advice and, I, and that's what I did. I got a job as a management trainee. And at the time that I was in college in the in the 80s, 
there really wasn't, nobody was talking about being an entrepreneur, at least where I was, you know, everybody mm -hmm. was talking about being a, a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, working on wall street or doing something like that. And none of that appealed to me. And I probably didn't have the, the smarts for it either, but, but I, I did think, you know, well, I'll just, I'll get a job. That's what people do. I'll get a job and I'll move up and I'll just, you know, make a career out of something. And that's the path that I took. That's awesome. And then, and, and do you think that voice drowned out because, you know, of our society, right? Every teacher is going, Hey, you're going to be successful. You got to go to college and you got to get a good job. And, you know, that was the, that was the mantra of our era when we were kids, everybody was saying it. And there was some value that it was actually consistent. Our yeah. parents' friends were saying it. Our coaches were saying it. Our teachers were saying it. You know, we're now kids are hearing everything different from every different adult they ever talked to. Like, you'll be a YouTube star. You'll be a, you know, you don't need college at all. It's too expensive now. And, you know, they hear something different and I can understand why they're confused. Right. Yeah. But sure. do you think that was one of the things that kind of moved you off that focus? I think so. I think that and, and, you know, just in my neighborhood, there were no models like that. You know, that there were people who, own their own companies. I've got that in quotes, but you know, it was like the guy who did uh, concrete work, like did sidewalks and stuff. Well, he yeah. owned his, he owned his own company, but it was like him and another person and they would yeah, just bust, their, bust yeah. their ass all day. Right. Yeah. So, so I didn't, I, I didn't have any, I guess, yeah, I didn't have any influences, I suppose, showing me or leading me or whatever. So, and then college didn't help. So yeah, I think, you know, it was like prepare yourself for a career, right. And get a career and, you know, do good and make some money and raise a family and, you know, retire. And that's what life is. Right? Yeah. I want to talk about a little bit like more your adult, right? This impact yeah. pivot point for you that changes. I, I love the quote, winners when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it's from Chris McChesney and Sean Covey on the Four Disciplines of Execution book. And talk a little bit about that young background. You're this young man coming out of college. You're set. You're going to set this thing on fire. You're going to, take this new job across the country, you know, move your wife across and go yep. kick some butt. And, you know, before no time, they will see your leadership expertise and you'll be running the joint, right? Like, right. like that's yeah. going to happen because you're a world beater. Right. And, and this is what we're thinking in our mind. And I, I don't want to think about what you were thinking, but tell me what's going through you as this go and talk about that story. Yeah. Well, I got hired as a management trainee uh, for a large waste company and I got sent out to uh, Detroit. I, I grew up in Philadelphia. So I moved to Detroit, drive, put, you know, put all my stuff, drive to Detroit and, you know, start learning the business. And, you know, I went from Detroit to back, you know, to New Jersey, to Pennsylvania, a couple of places in Pennsylvania, back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my approach was, you know, just work hard, say yes to every opportunity that mm -hmm. everything they asked me to do, the answer is yes. Yeah. And I just it was working. You know, I was moving up, I was moving around, I was getting exposure to different parts of the business. I was, I became a divisional vice president when I was 24 years old and, you know, which was kind of a heady thing in that, in that sure. uh, company. And I just, and I thought, like you said, I mean, I was thinking, well, I'm probably going to be here for life. And one day, you know, I, maybe I'll just end up running this place. Wouldn't that be cool? That's just the path I was on. So all yeah. this stuff that I, you know, from when I was four was just like back in the, in the background of my mind. And on St. Patrick's day in 1992, my boss called me and said, Hey, I want to pop up and talk to you. He, he was in Chicago, which is about two hours away. Hey, I want to pop up this afternoon and talk to you. I said, sure, I'll be here. Come on up. And he came up and instead of, you know, giving me another promotion, he told me that I was fired. And 
I, <laughs> like, hey, man, I'm 24. I got rocket fuel, bro. I'm on the yeah. way. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Right. So I, uh, you know, I didn't know what to make of that. <laughs> but, you know, ultimately, and we can get into the specifics, but ultimately that was the thing that led to this little seed that had been planted in me back when I was four years old being finally being you know, fertilized and cared for in such a way that it, you know, sprouted. I ended up starting a company. From there, I learned how to be an entrepreneur because I had no idea what being an entrepreneur was. I was just sort of like, hey, you're going to start a company and be a businessman, you know? That's how that came about. So quite accidentally, I mean, if that hadn't occurred, I don't know that I ever would have started a a company, you know, because I don't know, convergence of time and yeah. you know, opportunity and risk pro- profile and all of those things just matched up for me. Yeah. So, I mean, at the time, is it fair to say you didn't think it was a good thing? I mean, this didn't come no, off I like, oh, hey, a... I'm awesome and I'm so good that they're letting me go. I mean, no, I was, can't was be high. absolutely horrible for me. I was full of shame. I thought, how could this possibly happen? And my immediate reaction was, well, I'll show them. I'm going to go get another job and I'm with another company and I'm going to like prove how great I am. And that's what I did at first. So like a month later, I had a new job with another waste company. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And unfortunately, at the time, I started working for them. And the guy who hired me, who was the entrepreneur who owned the business, and I thought I would be working with him. Instead, I was working with his you know, right-hand man who was I've got a chapter in the book that I caught that's that's called Don the Dick because he was just the biggest dick to me, just a real jerk. And from the very first day and within 30 days, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I quit, mm. which, you know, so for me, in thinking like I was thinking at the time, you know, I get fired from this job. So that's horrible. Then I take another job and then I quit that job all within the span of like two months and I'm thinking, what? <laughs> I thought I could do everything right. Now I see, now I can't do anything right. Mm. So my confidence was very low, and I I just was really in a, not the worst place my, I've ever been in my life, but I was in a bad place. I didn't know what to do. And fortunately, a guy who ironically had been a farmer all of his life, you know, came into my life and said, "Hey, why don't we start a business together?" And I said, "That sounds good." And you know, he ended up being the one who germinated that entrepreneurial seed within me. And, you know, and from there, it went all kinds of places. Well, it's funny that you say it because, you know, one, I love this story of waste management because, you know, I used to be an owner in 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I used to own a franchise in oh. Phoenix. So okay, um, I, didn't I, know, I, I don't think I knew that. No, Yeah, so, I was like the 10th I, or 11th franchisee in that whole. And I think they now got 280 or something. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it was early on with Brian and Gudamore, who's the founder yeah. there. And, you know, it's interesting because you say this, this person who's kind of an unlikely person, but, you know, as I've worked through business and met some serious ranchers, some serious people that have held out like in the plains of America and Iowa and Nebraska, like farmers are kind of the original entrepreneurs, right? Like, oh my gosh, they, like they're in business like this. And I work the land and the land pays us and we survive off the land. And it is checks and balances and all things. If we produce enough crop, we're going to have enough money and things are going to be good. If we don't, we won't. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, holy God, wait a minute. If you don't, what do you mean? Like you won't have enough. Like if the kids eat maybe. And you're like, whoa, like, you know, it's kind of do or die. And so, you know, you want to talk about the ultimate no plan B entrepreneur. I start with a farmer or a rancher. 
who's got to do these things and like, this is how it's got to go. So I got to think these lessons for you are just invaluable with this guy as a mentor. I'm so glad you brought that up because so farmers have no one to delegate to. So these, you know, all yeah. the people that are out there saying, well, you got to learn to delegate. Well, farmers, don't, they don't delegate. Something yeah. breaks, they got to fix it. Something needs yeah. to be done. They got to do it. The, the crops and the, and the animals don't wait for anybody, right? They, they, right. they are hundred percent needy. All reliant. Reliant. Yeah, reliant. Yeah. yeah. So yes, Butch could, what was so amazing about Butch was not only how smart he was, but how he could look at anything and just figure out how to fix it. Right. And yeah. me, I was like, I could operate. I was one of those guys. I can operate all kinds of stuff, but when it comes to actually fixing something or making something, I can draw stuff up, but I can't, it's not my thing to, to actually do it. So we made a really good pair that way. Um, by the way, funny story about Brian. I had him on my podcast a while. Oh, you ago. did? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, he was telling me this, this is a Brian, the, the waste connection here. He was saying, uh, you know, people have been trying to buy me for a you know, long time. He was saying that it, he's like, one day I, I, these guys from waste management want to take me fishing, you know, and we get out there in this fishing boat and I'm looking around. I'm like, well, wait a second. It's just me and these guys from waste management. And he's thinking back to, the Sopranos He's are looking for the cement shoes. What's going to happen? What did I agree to here? Yeah, right. Uh, anyway, by the way, the waste business isn't like that. People, it's one of the best. The people in the waste business, in my experience, have been some of the greatest people I've ever I've ever met. But um, just a funny aside story to go along with your uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I look at like a, a guy like Wayne Heisinger. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Wayne's a pretty smart guy. Right. And at one point he has three fortune 500 brands. Right. I mean, like, yeah. like no dummy. And, you know, waste management was just one of his systems. Right. And so it's like, whoa, this guy. Right. And so, you know, just, yeah. just a guy who got stuff done. Just a Dutch guy from Chicago. Yeah, and I admired yeah. him from afar. Um, oh yeah. You know, when I was in pro ball, you know, we lost to his team in '97. We I, I was with the Cleveland Indians and Dick Jacobs, who was a great entrepreneur, and then and then of course Wayne owned the Florida Marlins, and it was like wow, you know. So it was kind of cool, really, as an entrepreneurial guy. As I was walking through this audit of excellence on teams and competing and all these things. Meanwhile, the dynamic of the owners was a whole new thing because, you know, you also had these world beaters of business that were also auditing excellence in their own way, right? I wasn't thinking, you know, P&Ls and marketing reports. I'm thinking, you know, team members, how do we get good staff? How do we create value, right? How do we maximize contribution? They're like going, huh? Because you know what I'm thinking, Trent? Team members, how to maximize value, contribution. I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, do you guys have to do that in waste management? Do you guys do you guys have to do that in real estate? And they're like, of course. Of course, yeah. yeah. Every business so, has to do that, right? Right. So what do you think, like, you know, as you, as you work through that, if you look back at now in those 20s and, you know, you're on this rocket fuel track and obviously – Butch saw something in you that he wanted to be a part of and, and felt, you know, you guys do well together, which sounds like you did. What do you think the superpowers that separate you from others kind of catapults you to the 1%? 
Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Thank you for listening to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast. Trent, together with the leaders who shared their learning and experiences through this show, are grateful for allowing them to help and support you on your journey to becoming your best. Write a review, rate us five stars, and share this episode to your network.